turn your attention to the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 36. Praise God. Ezekiel chapter 36. I want to begin reading in the first verse. I'll put the lid on this because it's unknown. Ezekiel chapter 36. And I want to read beginning at verse number 1. Also thou son of man, prophesy unto the mountains of Israel. And say ye mountains of Israel, hear ye the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God. Now listen. He, th this is what the Lord said to Ezekiel. He said, Thou son of man, prophesy unto the mountains of Israel, and say, Ye mountains of Israel, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God, Because the enemy hath said against you, Aha! Even the ancient high places are ours in possession. Therefore, he said, Prophesy and say, Thus saith the Lord God, Because they have made you desolate, swallowed you up on every side that you might be possession under the residue of the heathen. You're taken up into the lips of talkers and our infamy of the people. Let's ask the Lord to help us today. Jesus, I love you and I thank you for your word. Thank you for all your wonderful people that are here today. I pray you'd anoint me to preach, anoint your people to receive the word of God. In Jesus' name, everybody said in Jesus' name. Would you clap your hands and give the Lord praise one more time. Praise God. God bless you. You may be seated in the name of the Lord Jesus. The enemy is a master at running his mouth. Matter of fact, he is what I call a trash-talking devil. Let me assure you this morning that Satan is an expert at talking trash. He has refined the art of intimidation through talking. Millions of lives, billions, are held in prisons that are fastened out of words and thoughts. Bound by evil imaginations, ideas, and suggestions. They are unable to escape from the torment of past failures and past mess-ups. Matter of fact, the chaos of yesterday has been used as an effective restraint for today. People bound up. People locked up. Because of the chaos of yesterday's mistakes. God help me today. Satan is constantly reminding them of their futile efforts to live for God. Reminding them that they are really just failures. The battles are usually won or lost in their minds. Let me tell you, if the devil can fill your mind with the negative, then he's on his way to victory. 
He also tells you today that Satan has a very limited vocabulary. I know he's been around a long time, but he has a very limited vocabulary. It consists of two thoughts. You ready? This is the extent of the devil's vocabulary. You can't, and God won't. You can't, and God won't. And whatever he needs to add to fit the occasion is then just added on. Let let me give you an example. He'll tell you, you can't live for God because of your alcoholic daddy. You can't live for God because of yesterday's mistakes. You can't live for God. Amen. Because of this or because of that. You can't have revival here because it's just a burn over field. Amen. God won't help you because you did not live up to your past promise to pray for 15 minutes a day. He not only desires to bind you as an individual. Amen. To point. Amen. To point you in the direction of destruction spare. Amen. But he also desires to frustrate and to reduce the ministries of the church. Oh, I'm going to tell you about the devil. He seeks to intimidate the church out of the areas that God has prepared for them. And out of the revival that God wants to give wants to intimidate us. He wants to frustrate us. He wants to lie to us. He wants to convince us that we can't have the revival that God has promised we can have. So we find such a scene in Ezekiel chapter 36. The nations of Israel are scattered across the land. They are powerless as a nation. They are a defeated and captive people. They have been made desolate. Matter of fact, they've been made a mockery among their enemies. But the enemies of Israel made a grave error in their judgment. That's what I want to preach about today. They failed to realize that when they began to boast against the people of God, they were really boasting against God's power. Oh, and I want to tell you something. When they started running their mouths, they talked too much. And so the Bible said, Thus saith the Lord God, because the enemy has said against you, Aha! Even the ancient places are ours in possession. Said because, because the enemy hath mocked you, because the enemy hath made fun of you, because the enemy has talked trash to you, because the enemy said, Aha, we have the high places locked up, and there's nothing you can do. Now, now, now let me just break, let me break it down for you a little bit today. The, the ancient high places said when, when the enemy said, even the high, even the ancient high places are ours in possession. What they were talking about is the places of judgment. They were taunting Israel 
They were telling them, we decide who wins and who loses. We own the courts. And he who owns the courts wins. That's what they were saying. And they said, we'll run things around here and we'll govern you and we'll do it unchallenged. But I want you to notice God's words to the prophet Ezekiel. He said, because your enemies has said these things. He said, I want to tell you what I want you to do. Because they've been running their mouth. And they've been saying, we do this and we do that. And we control the high places. And we're going to run and rule you unchallenged. Because, amen, they have said these things. I want you to open up your mouth. And I want you to begin to prophesy. I'm going to get into this in just a minute. But I, I want you to understand the devil is happy to walk in the dominion that we forfeit. He's happy to walk in the dominion that we relinquish. Let, let, me, let me tell you a little story. There was a lady in our church back home and, and, and she'd been praying and fasting and coming against the strongholds of our city and and uh, binding some things and and the enemy spoke to her one day he said you're going to be sorry for that and it, it messed with her and instead of speaking back to it she got quiet and she went into the deepest darkest trial she'd been in and I don't know when and after several months of that, she began to pray and she began to talk to God and said, Lord, what is going on? And the Lord brought that back to her and said, because you did not talk back to the devil. You gave him authority to work in your situation and in your life. What are you saying, Pastor Smith? This is what I'm saying. Amen. The devil, amen, is happy to walk in the dominion that we forfeit. And too often, the devil talks to us and we don't talk back. The devil wants to silence our voice. He wants us to shut our mouth. He wants us to sit down and shut up. Let me tell you, with your voice, you proclaim the plans and purposes of God for your life. I said with your voice you proclaim the plans and purposes of God for your life what you speak and what you declare is of utmost importance one of the greatest weapons you have to combat the enemy is your mouth your words are what determine victory or defeat in many spiritual battles so what I'm telling you is you have to say something. I want you to watch with me one of the most famous stories in the Bible. We've all heard it. David and the giant. When the giant of Gath, Goliath, came lumbering out into the valley of Elah in front of all the armies of Israel, 
King Saul stood there trembling. And for 40 days, the Bible lets us know that this giant kept coming out and kept kept defying the armies of Israel. And he kept the army of Israel in the trenches for 40 days, cowering, afraid, and paralyzed with fear. Because of what he said. And finally, after 40 days, David comes out. David, the shepherd boy. David, the boy whose daddy sent him with some wine and some cheese to check on his brothers in battle. David wasn't even supposed to be there. David wasn't a fighter. But he goes there and he hears this uncircumcised Philistine. That's what David called him. Everybody else said he died. David said, oh no. He's an uncircumcised Philistine. He sees this uncircumcised Philistine and he, he hears what he's saying and he, he comes out and he saw what's going on and he goes to the king and said, Saul, I'll fight him. And Saul starts informing David about this giant of Gath out intimidating he is. I won't get into all of it, but I'm going to tell you something. Saul wasn't wired, or David wasn't wired like Saul. David replies to Saul by saying, I've killed a lion, and I've killed a bear. When they were trying to steal my father's sheep, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be as one of them. He said, you old uncircumcised Philistine, you come to me with a sword and a spear. That's all you've got. I've got bad news for you. I've got much more than a sword and a spear. I've got, ready, hear me. I've got faith-filled words that will be followed by divinely guided action. He said, I come to you in the name of the Lord. I want you to look at 1 Samuel chapter 17. I'll read it to you. 17 verse 45. David started speaking to that uncircumcised Philistine. This is what David said. Thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield. But I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast And This day will the Lord deliver thee into my hand, and I will smite thee, and I'll take thy head from thee, and I will give the carcasses, or I will give the carcasses of the host of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in heaven. And we read that, we think, man, that's a great story. I want you to notice, he said it first, then God empowered him to do it. What he was doing, he was really prophesying. He hadn't done it yet. He just knew God was going to give him the power. 
And so he said, you come to me with sword and spear. Amen. You've defied the armies of the Lord God of Israel. And this day God is going to deliver thee into my hand. And he said, I will smite thee. And I will cut your head off. And I will give the carcasses of the host of the Philistines this day under the fowls of the air and the wild beasts of the earth that all the earth may know that there's a God in Israel. He said it first. Then God empowered him to do it. Why? Because what he said determined what God did. Jesus told us with regard to prayer that the petitioner or the one who prayed receives not what he hopes for nor what he wishes for not even what he needs. But Jesus taught us with regard to prayer that the petitioner receives whatsoever he said. Why? Because words matter. That's why the devil wants to silence our voice. Because he knows our experience is tied to our experience. Why do you think it's so important? I, I, I tell my church back home, uh, we're not going to have no dead church. We're not going to have no bad services. We don't have time for that. Uh, matter of fact, last Sunday morning I got up there, they had good, good song services. service but I said there's people in here that need miracles there's people in here that need to be delivered and I said the only way that miracles and deliverance is going to take place is if we prepare the atmosphere for it to happen and you know what? We started pushing and we started worshiping God. We started shouting and God started moving. Why? Because, amen, our expression, amen, determines our experience. Such is the power of words. Clearly the Bible teaches us this connection between what we say Mark chapter 11, verse number 23 through 24. For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, say unto it, be thou removed, and thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore, I say unto you, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Oh, I come to preach to this church today and tell you, you've got to start talking. Amen. You've got to start speaking. You've got to say it before God will do it. Amen. We've got to quit saying what we feel and start saying what we know. Our words create the climate of our life. We get to having a bad day, but the fish burn and we speak that frustration. 
We create the climate of that day. We've got to quit saying what we feel. And we've got to start speaking what we know. God, God was saying to Ezekiel, just because the devil is talking does not mean that the devil is in charge. Let me show you, Ezekiel, again, that I am in control. We're living in an era of time is being bombarded by satanic attacks. Attacks against the church. Attacks against the home. Attacks on the lives of individuals. Satan has been trying to intimidate the church. Oh, you're never going to change. You're never going to get over this problem. You're never going to see your lost loved ones saved. Ne- your youth group's never going to grow. You're going to backslide. You might as well just give up. You're not going to make it. Go ahead and kill yourself and quit having to live like this. I've come to this place this morning as a herald of the Spirit. I've come to tell you that the devil... I said the devil is a liar and he is the father of all lies and there is no truth in him and I want to declare to this church this morning amen you can and you will have revival now now mercy I feel the Holy Ghost on me right now we're going to have revival we're going to have it now we're not going to wait for next year next week amen next month we're going to have revival and we're going to have it now because we're going to start opening our mouth and we're going to start declaring what God said he would do too many people too many people cite the coldness of the people of God. Oh, they talk about how cold the church is. Talk about the widespread appeal of pleasure. Talk about the outrageous wickedness we face on every hand. There's evidence that God will not give revivals like He once did. But I respond to that this morning and say such faint-hearted souls should pick up their Bible, make a study of the great revivals recorded in Scripture. And they would find that these great revivals came in the midst of wickedness and great apostasy. I, I could show you among how among the captive Israels in far off Babylon, Nehemiah had his heart warmed and stirred. was used in a revival that took a remnant back to Jerusalem and reestablished the nation of Israel in Palestine. I could cite the revival under the mighty preaching of John the Baptist when for 400 years the heavens had been shut up. Oh, without a prophet, without a divine revelation, and without a word from God for 400 years. God didn't speak one syllable. The Bible tells us 
Mark chapter 1, verse 5. All Jerusalem and Judea went out to hear John the Baptist preaching. And they were all baptized, confessing their sins. 400 years of silence, 400 years of silence, and all of a sudden here comes John the Baptist, a wild man. He came clothed in camel's hair, eating locusts and wild honey. I'm going to tell you, he was a wild man, but he came out of the wilderness like a wild man, but he came out on fire with the power of God. And the people heard him. And the Bible said, all Jerusalem and all Judea went to hear John preaching by the Jordan and were baptized confessing their sins. But I passed these revivals to mention a great revival led by Elijah on top of Mount Carmel. The revival at Nineveh led by Jonah and the revival at Pentecost when the Holy Ghost was poured out. This shows beyond any shadow of a doubt that God can give revival in the midst of distressing situations of deterioration and apostasy and idolatry and sin provided amen, that God has a few people who can lay hold of God's mighty power by obedient faith and prevailing prayer. Let me tell you something. A God who cannot have a revival in hard times is no good. A God who cannot start a fire with wet wood would not be sufficient for this wicked work. I'm not here to brag and I'm not here to pat myself on the back. But I'm going to tell you since January 1st of this year. We've baptized 213 people in the name of Jesus Christ. Saw over 150 people be baptized with the Holy Ghost evidenced by speaking in other tongues. You came too late to tell me uh, it's too cold and too wicked a world uh, for God to give revival. Uh, he's just looking for some people uh, that will have faith uh, and will pray. Harvest, the Bible said the harvest is true. But the labors. So pray. I'm not a Bible scholar, but I do read the Bible. I think that's the only place in Scripture where God will do it. We'll tell you the problem is not with the harvest. The harvest is there. The harvest is before us. Amen. There's people that want to be saved. There's people that need to be saved. We just need some laborers. Amen. That'll roll up their sleeve and say, you can count on me. I'm getting involved in the harvest. I'm getting involved in the harvest. I'm getting involved in the revival. The trouble is not with the harvest. It is with the laborers. God's trouble with revival 
It's not with the world, but rather it's with the church. God's trouble's not with sinners, but it's with saints. Anywhere God can get Christians who will pay God's price, God will give revival. Let me take you. Classic case of the enemy running his mouth. Second Chronicles chapter twenty-two. Bible records the story. Said after these things, the establishment thereof, Sennacherib, king of Assyria, came and entered into Judah and encamped against the fenced cities and thought to win them for himself. Sennacherib was a devil. I mean, he 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 hated. People of God, he hated God, he mocked God. He thought he was God. And he desired to have the cities. So if you'll read the last two verses of Second Chronicles chapter 31, you'll find that Hezekiah was being blessed of God for doing what was good and true and right before the Lord. It amazes me that after every victory, Satan likes to try and make you think that now you have to deal with him. Oh, God. Sennacherib boasted, I've wiped out every other nation. And I've wiped out their gods. And you and your God are no different. And Second Chronicles 32.17 said that Sennacherib wrote letters to defy the God of Israel and to speak against him. Verse 18 then they cried with a loud voice in the Jews' speech unto the people of Israel or unto the people of Jerusalem that they were on, that, that were on the wall. Said they, they yelled at them in the Jewish language to scare them, to intimidate them, to trouble them, that they might take the city. The God of Hezekiah will not deliver his people from my hand. They done made a bad mistake. They done talk too much. And Hezekiah said, hang on. They brought Hezekiah the letter that Sennacherib had written. And he said, hang on just a minute. And he walked into the temple of God. And he walked up to the altar and laid it on there and said, God, you got mail. They wrote this to try to scare me. But they're really talking to you. And they said that you couldn't deliver your people. And so God, you got mail. And he laid it on the altar. And God read that. I feel the Holy Ghost. God read that letter. God said, oh, they done ran their mouth just a little too much. Amen. And God, hang on, hang on. I won't show you how big God is. God read that letter from Sennacherib. Now, Sennacherib had wiped out all the nations around. Wiped out all their gods. Said to, said to Hezekiah, we're going to do to you what we did to them. And we're going to conquer you. And we're going to conquer your God. And your God can't do anything to stop it. Hezekiah took that letter, put it on the altar, said, God, you got mail. God read it, and God sent one, read it for yourself, one angel. Sent one angel and wiped out 185,000 Assyrians with one angel. Brother Fishburne, I just feel it. I just feel like saying this today. God 
is about to retaliate against the enemies of this church. God is about to confirm to you the promises that he has given to you. You've got to realize I'm facing a giant. I'm facing an enemy. I'm facing an uncircumcised Philistine. They're running their mouth. But I've got a word from God. I've got a message from God. And God is about to retaliate against my enemy. He's about to confirm his promise to you. Fishburn, I don't know if it's an angel or who it was in that coffee shop that gave you that word, but I'm going to tell you, God's fixing to confirm his word. I said God's fixing to confirm his word to you about this church. Man, I feel a witness of the Holy Ghost moving in here right now. I feel a witness of the Holy Ghost stirring in this house right now. I don't care what the devil has said. I don't care what the enemy has said. I'm telling you, God is fixing to retaliate. God is, oh my God, he's fixing to work. I, I wished... I wish I could remember the exact text. It's in Isaiah. I think it's 52 and 10, but I could be mistaken. Where it talks about God making bare His holy arm. Let me tell you what He's doing second. Isaiah God, hold up His foot. All right, yeah. You've done it. Went as far as you can go. I'm fixing to reveal, I'm fixing to make bare my arm. I'm fixing to roll up my sleeve and I'm fixing to show, you've showed us what you can do. I'm fixing to show you what I can do. That's what I feel the word of God is for this church today. God is about to make bare his holy arm. God is about to roll up his sleeve and say, devil, you've done your best, but you couldn't do it. But now I'm fixing to show you what I got. God God said because your enemy has said this I want you to open your mouth and prophesy You might, you might think I've fallen out of a loony tree today and I really don't care. Because I'm telling you what I know in the Holy Ghost. Hey Amen. It's time that we start speaking to some things. It's time we start speaking to some stuff. It's time we start declaring some stuff. Because my Bible said that the power of life and death resides and lives in my tongue. It's time... For us to allow the stronger man to come in and clean things up. Start confessing the power of God. Start declaring the power of God. Start prophesying. 
to your land. And I promise you, they will start to bring forth fruit. I prophesy to every empty seat in this house. Be full in the name of Jesus Christ. I prophesy to every empty seat in this house. Be full in the name of Jesus Christ. Be full of people that will love God and serve God and be faithful to God and be faithful to the man of God and serve this community and show this community the strength and power of Almighty God. Be filled in Jesus' name. <laughs> I'm almost done. If I can get somebody to help me, please. Ezekiel chapter 36 was the promise of the coming restoration of Israel. That was our text this morning where, where the Lord spoke to Ezekiel. He said, because the enemy has said this It was. Ezekiel 36 was the promise of the coming restoration of Israel. Restoration of what, Pastor Smith? Restoration of their lands. Restoration of the position of the people. And restoration and judgment of their enemies. And to prove his point, he took him to what we call in Ezekiel 37 as the valley of the tribe. And I don't know if I'm going to tell the whole story, but the shows And they weren't just, they hadn't just been there for a little while. They'd been there a long time. <laughs> he said, Lo, they were very dry. <laughs> and the Lord said unto Ezekiel, Son of man, can these bones live? Ezekiel said, Lord, thou know. Prophesy upon these bones. Say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God unto these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter into you, and you shall live, and I will lay sinews upon you, and will bring bring a flesh upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live, and you shall know that I am the Lord. And so Ezekiel said, So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise, and behold, a shaking, and the bones came together, bone upon bone. When I, and when behold I when I beheld lo the sinews and the flesh came upon them and the skin covered them above but there was no breath in them and so the Lord said unto me prophesy unto the wind he said prophesy unto the bones now prophesy unto the wind Woo! son of man prophesy to the wind and say to the wind thus saith the Lord God come from the four winds of O breath and breathe upon these slain that they may live. And so he said, I prophesied as he commanded me. And the breath came into them and they lived and stood up upon their feet an exceeding great army. Let me tell you something. God knows a thing or two about great ones. <laughs> Satan thinks that he has you wrapped up. That's right. That his judgment is sure and he alone is victorious. But if he's talking to you, It's time for you to listen to what the Lord is saying. And it's time because the enemy is it's time for you to open your mouth and start prophesying. 
prophesy. I'm, I'm not saying everybody in this building is a prophet, but I'm going to tell you something. If you've got the Holy Ghost, you've got the power of God inside of you. And if you've got the power of God inside of you, you can speak things and things that are not, it shall become. I don't care how long they hadn't been in the church. I don't care how, how far away from God they seem to be. I'm here today to tell you in the Holy Ghost, it's time you open your mouth and start prophesying. If the devil said they ain't never coming back because he said that, you need to prophesy. You need to say, devil, they're coming back in Jesus' name. Oh. <laughs> I wonder today, I wonder, is there some people that would come out of your seat said, you know, God, I'm going to talk back to the devil. And I'm going to open my mouth and I'm going to start prophesying what I feel in the Holy Ghost and what I feel in my time and place of prayer. I'm sick of letting the devil run his mouth and me just sit back and take it. Now is my time. I'm tired of relinquishing my authority to the devil because I silenced my voice. I'm fixing to start prophesying to dead situations in my life and I'm fixing to start watching them come alive in Jesus. Come on. Whatever it is, whatever mountain you're facing, you got to start speaking to it. Whatever uncircumcised Philistine is standing in front of you, you got to start speaking to it. Because what you speak determines what God does. I'm going to see your victory. I'm going to see your victory. Oh, the battle belongs to you, Lord. That's it, that's it, that's it. I'm going to victory. In the name of Jesus. I'm going to see your victory. I declare it. Oh, the battle belongs to you, Lord. I'm going to see your victory. 